All right, it is a great day for talk radio. It's also voting day. If you haven't, uh, I would implore you to get out in there and uh, do it before 8 o'clock. Of course, wall-to-wall coverage of the election after 7. Peter Sherman's in, uh, Alex Pearson after 8 o'clock, and we'll take it through till uh, all the results are in and tabulated. However, I just wanted to veer off the uh, politicking well, this might be a political story, to be honest with you, because uh, whenever we talk about the high cost of prescription drugs in this country, uh, invariably, I guess we almost shrug our shoulders and believe that's just the way it's got to be. But there's a blockbuster story in the Globe and Mail from a couple of days back, and it talks about why Canada's spending on prescriptions is so sky high. Kelly Grant is a Globe and Mail's health reporter, and she's joined us here on The Oakley Show to explain why. Kelly, it's good to have you on the program. Hi there. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, boy, I was uh, really astounded by this one uh, case study that you did specifically dealing with Remicade, and those who suffer from Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis and rheumatoid arthritis might recognize it. Uh, I don't know if that's the brand name under which it's sold, but uh, its use in Canada is uh, astronomical. It's like 40% uh, of the patients who uh, are suffering from those diseases use Remicade. Is that right? It's a very high use here in Canada, especially compared to other countries. Uh, sort of around the world, Remicade is the fifth best-selling drug. Um, here in Canada, it's the first best-selling drug. And the investigation that I did at the Globe and Mail was just to try to take a look into why it was we were using so much of this drug. Because among this class of drugs, it is the most expensive treatment option. Uh, it's in the neighborhood of about $28,000 a year for a patient to use this drug, and there are options that are injectable um, for arthritis, which is another condition that this um, this medication treats. There are some oral options now. So I was just curious as to why it was we were using so much of the most expensive treatment option. And as a health reporter, I had read lots about the fact that our sort of very fractured system for paying for drugs often meant that we wound up kind of using more expensive options or paying more for drugs, and I wanted to try to understand why. Right. As you said, 28000 annually. Uh, the drug normally is priced, you say, at $987.56 for each of the three or four vials required at every IV infusion, and that's every couple of weeks, as I understand it. Yeah, it's actually about every eight weeks. Um, okay. It's usually about, it's about a two-hour infusion. So what that means is that patients who need this drug um, go into either a private clinic that's sponsored by a drug company or sometimes into their doctor's offices or into an outpatient clinic at a hospital. And they sit in a lounge chair for about two hours and this medication is um, sort of infused through an IV line in their arm and then they'll come back again about eight weeks later. And a lot of patients are on this drug and similar drugs for years, if not decades. And I should say one thing off the top, and that's that this is really a, quite a good drug. The story that I was looking into is not one about sort of a bad drug or, or anything like we've seen sort of the pushing of opioids that have really caused people quite a bit of trouble. This is a good drug that's really made a big difference in patients' lives. Uh, it's just, it's the most expensive option. And there's now something on the market called a biosimilar, which is sort of, but not quite like a generic. And we're not using much of the biosimilar option in Canada either. So I wanted to, like I said, look at the system and how a, a smart drug company can really figure out where the cracks are to make sure they sell as much of their drug as possible. Right. And you say Remicade uh, has $1.1 billion in sales in 2017. It's Canada's top selling drug by revenue. And yet here where it, where it got intriguing and very, very interesting in your story is that uh, the parent company, well, it's Johnson & Johnson, but uh, the affiliate Janssen's offered the drug for a penny a vial. 
uh, from $987 to a penny a vial. Uh, what the heck is going on? Yeah, so this is a bit of an interesting tactic on their part. Um, at the time that they made that offer to every hospital in Canada, um, this biosimilar, as I mentioned, which has a sticker price that's about half that of Remicade, had come onto the market, and some of the uh, private drug plans and a lot of the provincial drug plans were looking at trying to get new patients onto the cheaper version of this drug because, of course, um, once you're on it, you know, as I said, you're often on it for years, um, if not decades. And so uh, Janssen says quite clearly and quite strongly that um, their intention was not to try to capture patients as they left the hospital. Um, there are lots who I spoke with who disagreed and felt that their tactics were fairly clear here. But uh, as I said, they they really are um, quite quite strident about the fact that their goal is to make sure that um, policies like the ones to promote cheaper drugs don't deny choice to patients and to doctors. So they say that's why why they provided the drug for that price. But but that is the background of what was happening at the time is that there were provincial drug plans and a few private play a few private payers as well who were really trying to um, force people onto the cheaper drug. And uh, those who make Remicade obviously would prefer that their drug be the one that people are on. Again, Kelly Grant is with us, the Globe and Mail's health reporter, on this story that talks about this blockbuster drug and why Canada is spending so much on prescription drugs. So we're on to something here. This is basically a turf war, and uh, they're playing hardball to protect it, even if they have to undercut any competition from these uh, generic drugs. As I understand it, you write that uh, Remicade's patent has actually expired and there are cheaper options available. Yeah, that is the case. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complicated, so bear with me if you can. But um, Remicade is what's known as a biologic. These are drugs that are essentially manufactured in living cells. The big difference between a biologic and the kind of regular pills that we normally think of is that for regular pills, they're synthesized from chemicals and they're quite easy to copy. Biologics, they're large molecules, they're complicated, the growing process is complicated, and they are harder to copy exactly. So for each batch of the drug, um, the molecule morphs in these very, very tiny ways. Um, but Health Canada, the US FDA, the European Medicines Agency, basically all the regulators around the world who are approving these new biosimilar copies say that they are as safe and effective as the drugs that they are replacing. Um, so in the case of Remicade, it's really the first big blockbuster drug in Canada to have a biosimilar on the market. So it's a real test case. And so far, the pickup in Canada has been very, very slow, less than 3% of the infliximab, which has been the molecule name of Remicade, that's used in this country is this cheaper biosimilar option, whereas in quite a few European countries, the uptake has been significantly higher, somewhere in the neighborhood of 90%. And the difference between here and some of those other places is that a lot of those other countries have some kind of national pharmacare system, which Canada doesn't have. So they have the ability there to set policies where they can either cajole or force people onto the cheaper drug. It's much harder to do here because we've got this very fractured system, about 100,000 different private plans, more than 100 different public plans, and there's just not the kind of coordination to make these kinds of decisions that might help save the system money. Well, yeah, and the gatekeepers in that system are the doctors, and I understand they get paid by Remicade or Janssen or Johnson & Johnson to actually write the script. So uh, there seems to be a conflict of interest of sorts. 
Yeah, it's be clear here, the payment is not directly for the writing of the prescription. Um, this is where it gets complicated again. So um, because this drug is an infused biologic, so like I said, somebody needs, you need to go somewhere, you need to sit in a chair, you need to have a needle in your arm for two hours, and you have to have a nurse do that for you and the location to do that. So what Janssen and some other companies that make infused biologics have done is um, over the years approach doctors who often have kind of large practices for things like rheumatology and gastroenterology and say, hey, if you want to infuse this inside your office, then we will pay you $275 for every infusion to cover the overhead, to cover a nurse's salary, et cetera. Um, but the issue with that payment, particularly on, in Ontario, is that the ministry in Ontario says there is, in fact, a public billing code that doctors could use, and they are not supposed to accept fees from third parties like drug companies to cover services that are supposed to be medically necessary. Now, while I was doing the reporting on this, there was a, a, essentially a standoff between the ministry in Ontario and Janssen, Janssen saying they had no idea that this code applied and that they disagreed with the ministry's conclusion that the code did apply, but the, the ministry just stood by its position throughout a couple of weeks of back and forth that this is a publicly available service. So it's a bit complicated, but I think the big picture to think about here is that our system really, our public system really doesn't do a good job of having something comprehensive in place so that patients who need these drugs can go somewhere and get them infused without our system having to rely on the drug companies directly paying the doctors. Right. What you're saying is the regulator, perhaps, uh, our regulations are not adequate enough. Well, we really, this is some of the consequences of Canada's kind of very weird system. Almost everywhere else in the world that has universal single-payer health care also includes prescription drugs as a part of that system. Canada's really different in that we have this kind of mix of a public single-payer system for most medical care, and then we have this system for drugs that is actually very American and quite similar to what people in the States see with their health care. And so because we don't have this coverage for prescription drugs, there's all these gaps, and you know, pharmace- pharmaceutical companies have often stepped in to fill those gaps, which, by the way, you know, there are patients who really appreciate that there are companies sure. stepping up to do this. It's just that the overall effect is goes part of the way to explaining why we pay the third highest drug prices in the OECD and we have higher prescription drug spending in the OECD other than the United States and Switzerland. So would you say in closing then a national pharmacare program would be the panacea here and might address most of these uh, loopholes? Well, I, I really think it's going to depend how that program is designed, if one goes ahead at all. There is actually a National Advisory Council right now that's sort of traveling around the country. It's being led by Eric Hoskins, who is the uh, health minister in the Wynn government. And he and this advisory council are going around talking to people about how to devise a system that both covers everyone and helps bring down costs. So it remains to be seen kind of what they recommend and whether... Um, the government will go ahead with trying to put something like that in place. But these um, patients, Kelly, with uh, colitis and uh, the rest, they're not paying out of pocket at all, are they? Well, so that depends on their situation. Most aren't, because um, this is a very expensive drug, right? Mm-hmm. So right. what that means is generally either they have private insurance, and if they have private insurance, they may find that they're, playing, they're paying deductibles and co-pays that are fairly large for a drug like this, because the private insurance system 
is really grappling with this sort of explosion of high-priced drugs. Like Remicade is one of the first and the oldest of the high-priced drugs, but there are drugs coming on now that are hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And so in reaction to that, um, people's premiums are going up or they're having um, – they're seeing their insurers set policies that mean high co-pays and deductibles. So while they're not paying $28,000 out of pocket, they might be paying $2,000 out of pocket right. for co-pays and deductibles. And that's not nothing for people. Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, it's, you know, just scratching the surface, I guess, of a broader issue that uh, needs to be addressed. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on and explaining that. And hopefully uh, there will be, you know, some advancement on remediating the situation. Great to talk to you this afternoon. Okay, thanks for having me. Thank you. Kelly Grant again is a Globe and Mail's health reporter on the story of why Canada is spending so much on prescription medications. Now you know.